Hey guys, I'm Claire and this is another episode of the Dialogy Deep Dive. In this episode, I want to supplement some information that you got if you attended the uh, Dialogy Dialogy Deep Dive Summer Series, Week 1, Mass Incarceration and Punishment. So you guys learned a lot, or I guess even if you didn't go, this is still helpful information to have, but during the week you should have learned about uh, different types of crime, a bit about the criminal justice system in the U.S. versus in other systems, for example, the student favorite example, Norway. You guys spoke to Johnny Hinkafi? Hinkafi? Yikes. You guys spoke to an innocent ex-convict about his experiences in prison, and um, that's kind of what I want to add on to in this episode. I want to give you some more information about Uh, what's important to know for debates and some other topics you might encounter other than those you guys practiced throughout the week. So, mass incarceration and punishment. I'm assuming in this episode you guys had the basic knowledge from this week of the deep dive series. If you don't, we'll probably have some um, article published later giving you some of that supplementary information that maybe I'll write or Cherry will write or uh, Dialogy will uh, publish as well on our WeChat or I don't know. It's a, a topic that you'll encounter, so you'll probably get this foundation. But I'm going to operate off of assuming you have a lot of this foundation. So what I w- what I want to cover in this episode is firstly, what are some categories of crime and why is crime committed? Uh, secondly, some other things that's important to know under the segment knowledge is power, and finally, some other relevant motions you might encounter. So firstly, what are the categories of crime and why is crime committed? There are many different ways in which crime is categorized, even just under the U.S. system or um, or internationally. Uh, some So there are three different ways that I want to propose to you that I want to represent here. The first is um, a system that says, that categorizes crime as the victim. So there are crimes against the person, against the state, and crimes against property. Crimes against the person are crimes against like people. So for example, murder, rape, theft. There's against the state, which is like tax evasion or like treason, and against property, which is like arson, for example. So this categorization um, bases it based off of the victims or who is harmed in this exchange or like what the intent is to harm another person, to uh, disobey the state or to make some kind of statement, I guess, or is it to have some type of material gain? So this categorization does it based on victims. The second one is based on, I guess, I don't really know what the basis is here, but it's the topic. Yeah, I I guess it's the topic or like the thing that is involved. This will make more sense after I explain it. But uh, personally, I don't like this categorization very much because it's very hard to remember as opposed to like crime against person, state, property. It's harder to remember all the specific examples, but it's easier to understand the way that it's divided. This one, it's harder to remember all the different categories, but once you remember the categories, it's a lot easier to remember the examples. So the categories are drug-related crimes, violent crimes, property crimes, commercial crimes, traffic offenses, and other crimes. So drug-related crimes are like possession and distribution of drugs. So uh, you guys might have heard about possession with intent to distribute, about marijuana maybe. That would be under drug-related crime. 
Violent crimes include sexual assault, robbery with firearms, and murder. So, uh, violent crimes are, I guess, crimes that hurt another person or like use force. Property crimes are also kind of use force, but it's uh, similar to crimes against property. It's arson or robbery without firearms, since robbery with firearms is a violent crime. Commercial crimes include forgery, tax evasion. This is similar to crimes against state, crimes against property. It's kind of like an in-between. Traffic offenses are like speeding or I guess parking where you can't park. And other crimes include pollution, gambling, and prostitution, which I guess don't explicitly fall into one of these categories. As I stated earlier, it's so hard to remember all these different categories, but when you hear, for example, property crimes, you kind of know exactly what this means. When you hear commercial crimes, you kind of know exactly what it means. The only exception being maybe robbery with and without firearms. Um, But finally, the third categorization, and what I think is the easiest one to think about, because it categorizes based on severity. Uh, Even though the names of the categories are a little confusing, you hear them enough that I think it's not that confusing. So this uh, this categorization uses four different like subcategories, I guess. The first is felonies, second misdemeanor, misdemeanors, third felony misdemeanors, and fourth infractions, also known as violations. Felonies have bad intent and serious result. Misdemeanors have a less serious intent and result. Felony and misdemeanors are kind of circumstantial, so they depend. And infractions or violations have the least serious intent and least serious result. So it's quite easy to think about uh, the severity of these crimes based on intent and result, kind of as a, I guess, pyramid going down um, between felonies, misdemeanors, felony misdemeanors, and infractions or violations. Uh, You can probably just think of examples for yourself under these categories. It's also pretty self-explanatory, like felonies tend to be like rape or murder, um, whereas like infractions or violations seem like jaywalking or motor offenses. Um, it's kind of interesting, though, to think about the punishments that come under these categories. It's quite clear. Felonies tend to have all punishment options available, but mostly face things like prison or execution. Misdemeanors, it's usually just jail, but with, like, probation or rehabilitation or community service. Um, felony misdemeanors are also circumstantial, so they're punished based on the prosecutor or the judge. And infractions and violations, usually you get a fine traffic school or like these things as a result of a ticket that you just have to pay off or do some kind of little service to make sure that you're suited to continue to drive, for example. So um, there are these three categorizations. I hope this was clear. My favorite being this last one about severity. But uh, thinking a little bit about why is crime committed, and this is obviously differing based on the other different categorizations or different uh, crimes that you're looking at. So, for example, felonies, murder, or rape, that's, I don't, I couldn't tell you. I guess people do this because they have a lack of sense of remorse for many cases, if they're just like serial killers like Ted Bundy. Maybe it's self-defense. Um, for example, against rape or against being mugged or anything like that. Um, circumstances like tax evasion is probably for financial incentive to try to make more money or to keep money or, uh, circumstances like that. And there are also crimes like crimes of acquisition that you guys talked about throughout the week that are committed out of necessity. So, 
within debates that we're discussing different types of crime or even if we're just talking about crime in general, it's important to consider what type of crime are you talking about? What do you think is reasonable for you to defend or to um, argue as an outlier or um, etc. So for example, if the motion's about rehabilitation or retribution, you probably won't be punishing felonies the same as a violation. You probably won't be punishing drug-related um, crimes the same way as commercial crimes. So the different categorizations, how you choose to present it in the debate isn't that important, but it is important that you try to consider them on your own and different categorizations can be a way for you to remember this or to try to divide them up in your case, for example, if you're trying to deal with all of it. So the second part of this episode is knowledge is power. What else is important for you to know to be successful in criminal justice motions or crime motions? So there are a few things that I think are important to know for these debates that inevitably come up as like principles or as examples that you can use to strengthen your case. I'm gonna be breaking down the ones that I think are the most important or are interesting to know, but there's definitely more research you can do into each of these and more information you can get out of them. One such topic that's good to know for these debates is um, different principles of the criminal justice system. So this includes innocent until proven guilty and eye for an eye as well as others. Innocent until proven guilty you guys have probably heard and I guess it's sort of like uh, the proposition burden in these debates because proposition and debate has to prove that there's a problem in the first place that the motion is trying to solve. So you guys have probably come across a debate where opposition argues there isn't actually a problem, therefore the motion or the policy that's being proposed isn't necessary. And this is kind of like what happens in court cases where the prosecution has the burden of proving that a person overwhelmingly has the evidence that they did something wrong. There are some cases that this in debate is more important than other cases. One such example being sexual assault, where there tends not to be any evidence of sexual assault having been done, especially if abuses of power were involved like many years ago. So you guys probably heard of the hashtag MeToo movement. Um, a lot of this came up because people felt as though they couldn't speak up against the people who they had been sexually assaulted or harassed or raped by um, because they were people of positions of power and they finally felt comfortable talking about these experiences like 10, 20 years later where there isn't any evidence left, even though sometimes immediately after sexual assault happens, evidence can be collected. So, so much time has gone by that, like, I don't know, camera footage can be erased and um, all this kind of, all, all the possible pieces of evidence can be demolished. Um, this is one good example of how innocent until proven guilty can harm victims um, and is sometimes discussed in debate as given that the court can't do very much about it how what how should we react as a society to these victims speaking up or should this be something that's changed as a policy of the criminal justice system etc so innocent to prove guilty is one good principle to know another is eye for an eye you probably hear this one a lot but you do have to defend eye for an eye um you can't just rely on intuition to say that this is a fair metric for the criminal justice system to use you kind of have to explain why this is a good metric, but eye for an eye is typically um, a principle that comes up a lot. Other examples of historical context that's quite important as topics to know are um, tough on crime and the 13th Amendment. So tough on crime policy, and I don't know all of the history extensively, but there's a really good article you guys can read uh, 
from The Atlantic called A Timeline of the Rise and Fall of Tough on Crime Drug Sentencing. Basically, for a very long time in U.S. history and U.S. politics, there was rhetoric from the Republican Party that um, the government and society needed to crack down on crime and to reduce crime significantly, just because there kind of was a lot of crime. But a lot of the ways that they handled trying to reduce crime was very harmful to minority populations. And this can come up as an example that you use about criminal justice policy um, debates. Some examples of this that you might have heard about are harsh sentencing on cocaine use, which actually hurt minority populations or African Americans by punishing crack cocaine and uh, I believe powder cocaine differently, which only really made a difference because rich white people used powder cocaine, whereas uh, less wealthy African-American people tended to use crack cocaine. And different sentencing disproportionately hurt certain populations over others while kind of protecting white people. So this is an example of how there was this um, disproportionate damage as well. So this is a good example to know um, for the discrepancies that were created by tough-on-crime rhetoric and tough-on-crime policies during this period. There are obviously other examples, and that ex example can be explored more, but um, that's a good one to know. The 13th Amendment as well is... You guys should definitely watch the documentary for this. I've talked so much about it, but it really is a really good documentary. The 13th Amendment is the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution, uh, which abolished slavery and involuntary servitude, which is basically to say pe other people can't force you to work for them without paying you or without your uh, permission or your consent. And there is an exemption of this uh, rule to say it is acceptable to have this slavery or involuntary servitude if it's a punishment for a crime. So for many, many years, the justice system has been exploiting this amendment to say that if you're in prison, we can make you work without your consent. And different ways that this has been exploited includes uh, mass incarceration of black individuals to try to isolate them from society and force them to work. It includes um, prisons that force prisoners to do labor without getting paid to do work for different companies, for example. Um, and they're just really heinous applications of this scapegoat of this amendment in the status quo. But these are some really good examples that you can use as to look at the historical lens of how prison has been used as a scapegoat for society or for racism. Final part of this podcast episode is I want to talk about some other relevant motions that might come up that you might not have explored throughout this week. So some that you did explore throughout this week were like retribution versus rehabilitation or um, severity of punishment, so, so should death penalty be allowed, for example, um, ideas of how to reduce recidivism, so like what kind of training is acceptable, and you guys also talked about private versus public prisons, which is really good, but some other examples of, I won't read out motions, but I will discuss the topics a little bit of what you might encounter, include, um, include what kind of punishments are acceptable, an expansion of this idea beyond the death penalty to look at voting, for example. I remember attending a tournament that had a prepared motion about whether or not prisoners should have the right to vote. So some of the things I discussed earlier about the context of what kind of people are put in prison and uh, why were they put in prison, for example, on the basis of race or uh, this kind of policy or crimes of acquisition, uh, some of this really comes into play when you discuss 
prisoners and whether or not they should have the right to vote on anything, but especially looking at educational policy or prison reform and um, policies such as that, the right to vote and other rights that are taken away outside of the death penalty or outside of freedom of movement and freedom of speech. These are some things that might come up in a debate motion. Another motion that might come up is looking at public versus private defense lawyers. So should everyone be required to use the state's defense lawyers? So right now, uh, you can hire private law firms to defend you if you're accused of doing a crime. But if you can't afford to have these private law firms, you have the government supply one for you because it is a right that you get represented in court. But the government's defense lawyers tend not to be as good as the private lawyers because they have so many more cases to deal with than the private lawyers. They're not paid as much. And it's a topic of debate that comes up about whether or not whether this is fair, whether everyone should be entitled to the same level of representation, even if that level isn't as good, or will that actually improve representation, etc. That's another motion that might come up. Other motions that might come up are looking at vigilante justice. Is this acceptable? If you feel like the state isn't representing you properly, is it justified in some cases or should the state punish you if you decide to take action by yourself? So, um, for example, you might have seen in the news lately, there was coverage of a woman who went and killed her sister's rapist. Like these are examples of vigilante justice, taking it into your own hands to ensure that the person who did something wrong against you or against a loved one is punished for it. Final motion I want to discuss is about algorithms. Uh, I believe you guys had a motion about whether uh, criminal justice policy should be determined by experts or by politicians. But another kind of similar motion is about whether or not uh, criminal sentencing should be done by algorithms as opposed to judges. So these algorithms, this is kind of a complicated debate. There probably is a recording of one online you guys can watch, but basically they look at like um, different statistics throughout history and then deem how likely are you to rehabilitate, how likely are you to recommit crimes, etc. And then based on that, they give you a sentence that is supposed to be the best for you. The debate is about whether or not this is more effective, whether or not this is fair, whether or not this is representative. Um, a lot of different factors here as well. So I hope this episode helped you in your next criminal justice debates. This is just some information I wanted to give to supplement the content that we weren't able to get through. And obviously there's a lot more, but the content we weren't able to get through um, in just this week of content. So firstly, different categories of crime and why crime is committed. Secondly, some other knowledge that's important to have. And thirdly, some other relevant motions you might encounter. I would definitely recommend you go out and do some more research on the things that you felt uh, that you were interested in that I mentioned throughout this ep episode or um, looking up some debates that are definitely recorded and uploaded on YouTube, etc. Just go out, go above and beyond. I don't know, do some research. But I hope this was helpful and... We'll see you soon in the next episode of the Dialogy Deep Dive.